From KDNK Community Access Radio in Carbondale, Colorado in the United States, this is program number 20 of the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. When blind people go places, we don't experience things like our sighted friends. We don't see beautiful mountains or romantic sunsets. The goal of this program is to identify or even create experiences that are more meaningful or just more fun for us and our sighted traveling companions. Frequently, as people lose their eyesight, they become more and more isolated. The tactile traveler hopes to empower people not only to go literally around the world, but around the block to new adventures in their lives. Blind ranges from people who are visually impaired, and glasses and contact lenses no longer allow them to lead a normal life to people like me who are totally blind and to sighted parents who have a blind child and blind parents who have sighted children and blind parents with blind children and people of all ages, interests, and physical abilities. On today's program, Enchroma lenses may help 80% of colorblind people experience colors. How Oregon's 273 state parks are becoming blind and handicap friendly. And cruising in a cruise origin, a time-shared self-driving car. One out of every 12 men and one out of every 200 women are colorblind. That's 13 million people here in the United States and 350 million people around the world. For many of those people, there's a way to experience colors better or even normally. As a result of light filters worn as glasses made by a company named Enchroma. Enchroma has an interesting backstory to its genesis, and it's actually a company that has one of those aha kind of eureka moments. Enchroma's Kent Streeb. Don McPherson, our co-founder and chief science officer, he previously owned a glass company. He has a doctorate in glass science, and he invented glasses that protected the eyes of surgeons from lasers when they were performing operations and also helped differentiate tissue for them. And he discovered the surgeons were absconding with the eyewear uh, from the operating rooms. And he thought, well, that's great for business and it's a little interesting. And he learned that the reason they were taking the glasses was because they had the additional effect of making colors kind of pop and be a little bit more vibrant. So they were taking them and wearing them as sunglasses outside of the operating room. So he thought, well, that's kind of interesting. So he started wearing them as sunglasses as well. And he's an avid ultimate Frisbee player. And he was playing in a tournament in Santa Cruz. And one of his teammates said, hey, can I check out your sunglasses? 
So he loaned him the glasses and the guy put them on. And the first thing he said was infamous quote was, dude, I can see the cones. And he said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I can see that the cones are orange and that the field is green and they're clearly different colors. And I've never been able to see those before. He said, I'm colorblind. So being a good scientist, you know, the light bulb went off in Don's head and he wondered why these glasses had some kind of a, a boost or effect for the colorblind. And he went out and he got some grants from the National Institutes of Health, their SBIR program, and investigated why these glasses that he had invented for another purpose had some kind of benefit for colorblind people. We now know how the lenses work. Colors are light waves. Every color or combinations of colors have their own wavelength. The way that we perceive colors is the light is reflected off of a surface. And depending on what wavelengths of light are reflected off of that surface, that's what gives us our color perception. It's more how those cones are detecting the light. Dr. Kara Hansen, assistant professor and director of low vision rehabilitation services at the University of Colorado's Anschutz Medical Campus in Aurora, Colorado. There are rods and cones. In the retina, the cone cells are responsible for color vision, and there's three types of cone cells, and they're sensitive to certain wavelengths of light. So the longer wavelengths of light are the red cones, the medium wavelengths of light are green cones, and then the shorter wavelengths are most sensitive, those are the blue cones. So those three different cones together make up all of the different colors that we might see. So what happens with red-green color deficiency, it's like the, the long wavelength cones and the medium wavelengths, the red and the green cones, their peak sensitivity is too close together, and that's what makes it harder for them to distinguish certain colors. And chroma lenses filter out the parts of the light waves that overlap, allowing the retina to perceive colors normally. Since we can't understand something we've never experienced, many people who are colorblind don't realize how their lives might be enriched if they could see colors normally. Most people have congenital color deficiency. So if that's what you were born with, that's what you're used to. And it's not that they don't see color at all. It's just they see it differently than somebody who has fully functional cones. So they feel like they see color fine, but it just looks different than other people. Dr. Hansen has done research on enchroma lenses and says they work. How well depends on the severity and type of color blindness. She says they not only improve their user's standard of living, they also may improve life skills. Like, for example, when people go in and they're trying to pick out which bananas look freshest, or even ground beef, or trying to tell what tomatoes are ripe. Those things are going to be harder for somebody with red-green color deficiency to do compared to somebody with normal color vision. My stepson, Dan Simon, 44, is colorblind, so we made a trip to 2020 Vision, one of the two optometrists that carry in, in chroma glasses 
in Metro Denver, Colorado, where Dan Tess drove, or more accurately, Tess walked, the glasses around the outside of the shopping center were the offices. And Chroma makes several kinds of lenses for indoor and outdoor use. Most people use the outdoor glasses, which is what Dan tried first. YouTube has videos of people trying on the lenses and having that hey dude experience where everything becomes a world of color and they cry. But most people's brains have to adjust to the new lenses, which was Dan's experience. It's weird, the colors and sometimes the colors are more sharp and then on that dress when there's different colors, they two of the colors were the yellows and the oranges were blending together more with the glasses on well some colors seem to be more bright and vivid and some go the opposite way like that dress with the yellows and oranges it was hard to it was worse with the glasses on most of the other stuff i'm looking at seems to be a little clearer after about 45 minutes we walked back to the optometrist's office where optician marcella neverman helped Dan try on different lenses. As Dan wore the glasses longer, color perception increased, and he had a surprise. I like the indoor glasses more than the outdoor glasses outside, but it's also very hazy out, so it could, could be because it's low light right now. It's, it's really cloudy. He's going back soon, and will probably choose indoor lenses. When I shopped around, I found the prices vary at different optometrists. From $279, frames are included, but prescription lenses are extra. You have 60 days to try them to give your brain time to adjust to them before deciding if you want to keep them. And Chroma's webpage lists all of their providers. They're also available from Amazon. 2020 Vision doesn't charge to check out the lenses and doesn't require an appointment. You may be able to check out the glasses at art museums and some other museums that have Enchroma glasses available for free to use when visiting them. Most ophthalmologists and optometrists don't routinely check people for colorblindness which Dr. Hansen says takes about two minutes. You can take a free test on Enchroma's webpage, www.enchroma.com. It would be a good idea if you're already employed or planning to take classes in chemistry, biology, or art. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. The sounds of the South Falls at Silver Falls State Park in Silverton, Oregon from a promotional video. You can hear the sounds in person at Silver Falls or the rest of Oregon's 273 state parks. And when you do, you will experience a massive program by the state park system 
to eliminate barriers to people with any kind of disabilities. Helena Cash is the Park Systems Americans with Disabilities Act coordinator. She says Oregon is spending the next 25 years collecting suggestions for identifying and eliminating barriers to enjoying their parks by anyone. Helena says identifying and eliminating barriers is required by the ADA Act. Oregon isn't doing it because of the law. They're doing it. It's the right thing to do. Oregon's really big on making sure that we're providing a welcoming space for everyone to enjoy. Everybody who's able-bodied without a disability can easily assume what somebody with a disability needs. We've heard from people that come and appreciate the area and from just time as people age and they bring family or, or things happen, that there's parts of the park that just don't meet their accessibility needs. And so we've heard them and we're continuing to listen. And we really want to promote that inclusive setting for everyone to appreciate. So we've partnered with different organizations locally to provide us insight and really give us firsthand experience as well as suggestions from somebody who has lived experience. Examples of suggestions so far, some people who are autistic may be very sensitive to loud sounds. So they might be more comfortable in isolated campgrounds away from noisy camping areas. They also may have trouble tolerating the sounds feet make on gravel hiking trails. Other suggestions include installing lighting on some paths and trails. People want to come out to a state park and they want to be one with nature and in nature's rawest form. When it's a dark, clear night, you can see the stars or you can hear the animals, you can hear the water, you can hear whatever the sounds are, but you, people typically want to be in the most raw, natural element. However, others would appreciate having low-level lighting to be able to make out the paths throughout the park, you know, whether that be just the trail itself, or it would be, you know, path to a restroom facility or a picnic shelter or a viewpoint. Suggestions that will help us have come from people and organizations like Megan Allman, coordinator for the Northwest Association of Blind Athletes. One thing that I that we did recommend is to have tactile maps at the trailheads. The sighted person looks at a map, they see where the trails go. And for someone with a visual impairment or who is blind, they can feel where the, I'm sorry, where the trails go throughout the area. Megan says they use an interesting way to let hikers know where their hike leaders are. So when we are out on the trail, sometimes our athletes like to hike with a sound source. And so we'll have their guide use bells or maybe put bells on a belt loop or their shoestrings. So as their guide is walking in front of them, the um, individual with a visual impairment can hear where the trail is going by uh, where their guide is walking. Megan says it would be helpful if the parks had bells available for hikers who aren't a part of their group. That would be a great idea to have a bucket of bells or something at the trailhead. <laughs> and then people who come to the state park on their own with their friends, somebody that's hiking with them, you know, pick up a set of bells and, and go. Blind parents put bells on their little kids' shoelaces so they can keep track of them. If bells were handy, sighted parents could do the same thing for their children. 
in case they wander off. The kids would love it. Another suggestion came from the tactile traveler, Sally Ut. Each trail would have a large tactile symbol associated with it, such as a three or four inch high triangle, circle, or diamond. The symbol would be by the name of the trail at the trailhead, and at any places where the trail may turn, like at intersections on arrows pointing to a change in directions. Then there'd be a standardized way to find the sign, like 10 feet into the new direction, like on a three-foot-high post with a tactile symbol on it, on the right side of the trail. The Park Department will be accepting suggestions for 25 years and will be applying them immediately when possible and when budgets become available if they're complicated. Jason Struther helped with this story. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. On program number 18, we did a story on the Blind Driver's Challenge. Dan Parker's upcoming attempt to drive his 800-horsepower Corvette more than 200.5 miles per hour. One of his corporate sponsors is Cruise, a company developing fully automated cars that we'll be able to drive where we want to go at normal speeds. But getting there won't be like any experience most of us have ever had because crews won't be selling their cars. They'll be part of a car sharing system where users will have cars available as needed. What we're calling the cruise origin that is different from anything out there on the road today purpose-built, 100% electric, powered in California by 100% renewable energy, no steering wheel, no brake pedal, no human operator controls. And we're building that right now in GM's Factory Zero facility in Michigan. And we're expecting that to start rolling off the line sometime in 2022. Cruises, Eric Danko. So we fundamentally believe that the transportation status quo is is unsustainable. It is too unsafe, it is too polluting, and it is too inaccessible. And that is the founding ethos of Cruise and what we set out to build as a product. The fully electric self-driving vehicles that we intend to commercialize very soon, you know, coming to a theater near you, will help change the trajectory of where we are from its 20th century model of polluting internal combustion vehicles, single occupant, inaccessible transportation experience to one that is clean, that is renewably powered, 100% electric, shared, autonomous, and significantly more accessible. It is a constantly evolving process, and we believe this portends dramatic improvements to the transportation status quo. We are building this to be an intuitive and user-friendly experience. You pull out your phone, You speak into it, you type into it where it is that you want to go, and a cruise will meet you somewhere. It will communicate to you as a user where you can expect to be picked up. You will then go meet the vehicle at the curbside. The doors will open. These open like subway doors. They do not swing open like car doors. And that was a very deliberate safety feature that we built into the vehicle that helps with uh, cyclist safety. It helps in terms of ensuring that there's a seamless design that we're taking up uh, minimal space. 
and to ensure that there's a wide berth for people to get in without having to, to go through kind of traditional car doors, which can be narrow, the vehicle will prompt you to put on the safety belt. It will then initiate the system. We will, we will start moving. It will prompt you, is everybody comfortable? Are we all ready? Are we set and ready to go? Um, we click OK. And the vehicle will then take you where it is that you want to go. It will then alert you that you're at your destination. It will communicate that with you uh, internally in the cabin. You know, Nick, we've arrived at your destination. You are at the recording studio. You are all set. You know, thank you for riding with Cruz. The doors will open and you will be able to exit the vehicle. Cruise technology is being tested in cars on Chevy Volt chassis with more than a million test miles so far. Our cars are on the road right now in San Francisco, in Arizona, and in Metro Michigan, and are really being tested 24-7 as we make a lot of progress towards commercialization. Crews design their cars to be blind-friendly throughout their design process. So this is a very user-friendly experience, and it really speaks to the partnership that we've been engaged in with a number of blind and low vision community stakeholders over the course of the last few years. We understood that we did not have all the answers to all the questions. And so we wanted to work directly with the community to hear directly from people how the system serves them today or doesn't serve them today and how it can be improved in a ride sharing capacity. So this was a multi-stage initiative. We started with deep dive user interviews where we really got down to brass tacks. What works, what doesn't? We then layered on top of that ride-alongs and traditional rideshare services where we actually had the participant narrate what was happening in real time. What are you doing in order to interface either with your driver, as it were, or to wayfind on your destination? Once you get to the destination, how are you interacting with that? What does that experience look like? And we built on all of that with a full day co-production experience with cruise product designers um, where we whiteboarded and co-designed um, uh, potential solutions, potential product solutions that would enable our system to be more accessible than what exists today, study. And we did that very deliberately, very specifically in partnership with the National Federation of the Blind, the American Council of the Blind, the Lighthouse for the Blind, and a variety of other subject matter experts. And we did it because we understood that the transportation system as exists today is not only too unsafe, it's not only too polluting, it's also too inaccessible to too many people. Cruise spokeswoman Tiffany Testo says the cruise origin will be equally accessible for people in wheelchairs. You're listening to the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. Why, it's my talking scale, reminding us that we'd like you to weigh in on how we're doing. Please let us know by sending an email to the tactile traveler at gmail.com. We spell traveler the American way with one L. We'd like to hear your story ideas from all over the world. Please send us an email with story ideas in the subject line at 
thetactiletraveler at gmail.com. If you'd like to help underwrite this program, please send us an email with underwriting in the subject line to thetactiletraveler at gmail.com. Transcriptions of this program are available for our deaf listeners by searching The Tactile Traveler in any search engine. This program is also being broadcast on the Audio Information Network of Colorado and in additional states. It's also available by typing the Tactile Traveler into any search engine and available wherever you get podcasts and by asking your smart speaker to play the podcast The Tactile Traveler and whatever number program you would like to listen to. So far, we have had 20 programs. We'd like to thank the following organizations and people that have helped make today's program possible. Be My Eyes Microsoft Accessibility Tech Support, Apple Accessibility Tech Support, Leslie Steffens, Lorraine Hutchinson, Sarah Williams, Sophia Williams, Debbie O'Leary, Lucas Turner, and Raleigh Burley. This has been The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. This has been a production of KDNK Community Access Radio, Carbondale, Colorado.